Good morning, TCC. As I think about this passage, and as I've been kind of laboring over it, this passage has been kind of a thorn in my side, I have really been struck with a few things. And why I say I've been kind of laboring over it is there's a lot there. And Paul is saying a few things that really strike me and, and hit me in such a way that it really makes me pause and say, Paul, what are you saying? What are you trying to communicate to us? And what are you saying to the Church of Colossae? But before I get into that, I want to talk about one thing that has always kind of struck me as I've lived my life. And, and you as parents or, uh, or, um, or as grandparents would know in particular what I'm talking about. And that is when a child comes up to you and says, can I do this? And you respond with no, or we can't do that right now. And their immediate response is, Why? Why can't I do that? And no matter, I I have found with my niece and nephew, no matter what my response is in that moment, I always get hit back with another, but why? Why? And I think part of the reason why kids do this, or, or especially when they're asking us a question and we say, well, this is just the way it is. But why is it that way? I think for, for kids, we as adults or parents or grandparents, they think that we should know the answer. And in fact, very often we do know the answer and we're able to reveal a truth to them. We're able to show them what the truth behind their question is. We're able to give them the answer. And I remember as I read my Bible growing up, I always remember hearing about how Jesus calls us to be like children, to have a faith like a children's faith that looks at their parents and says, I depend on you. I believe that you will reveal stuff to me. So when we read this passage, and as we're going to be looking at a mystery that Paul is saying God is revealing, I think one of the amazing things about that is that God is choosing to reveal this mystery through us. And so as we go through our life, there is many things that we will have questions about. There is many mysteries that are about in the world. And as we grow in our faith and, under, and our understanding, God is constantly revealing things to us. But I think one of the greatest mysteries of all time is what Paul is actually talking about. So when Paul, about halfway through our passage, is talking about a mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, and yet it has been re- revealed to God's people, we should be asking ourselves, well, what is this mystery? And Paul actually answers the mystery by saying, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Paul continues from there and asserts that it's not actually just for God's people, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, but actually it is for the whole world. And so my hope for all of us this morning as we explore this passage, that hopefully this truth will come to life for us, and God will help us to see that we are actually called to journey with God and reveal this mystery to the world So I hope this passage, as we read it, we'll actually be thinking of a couple other passages, and in particular, the Great Commission. I think that passage, the Great Commission, really closely echoes what Paul is saying here, and and I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But will you join me in prayer before we do that? God, thank you for this morning, and I pray, Lord God, that as we dive into your word and, and explore what you're saying here, that, God, it will come to life for us. Lord, that we will 
uh, not only accept, but joyfully accept the call that you have uh, been revealing to us. God, that you are calling us to participate in the ministry that you are doing in the world. And that we would joyfully do it no matter the circumstance. Pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, let's pick up and go directly into our passage again. And in particular, look at verse 24. Verse 24 in Colossians 1 reads, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. And this opening verse is, is really what gave me such a huge pause as I was breaking into this passage and trying to look at it and deconstruct it and, and explain it this morning. I was really confused by what Paul was saying. Paul is really making a bold statement. If we read it, he is saying that he is working to accomplish what Christ did not complete. I am filling up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. What, Paul, what are you saying there? I, I mean, as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ, his sacrifice through dying on the cross and being risen from the grave is everything. So, Paul, how can you say that there is something that Christ did not complete, did not accomplish? And I don't know why it was that I was just so stuck on this, but I could not move past it. Paul, what are you saying? What is going on here? And so what I ended up doing is I actually ended up pausing right there and not continuing writing the message and starting to look for answers to this. Paul, what are you saying here? I am very confused. I'm very lost. And so I ended up turning to one of my favorite theologians for an answer to better explain what Paul is saying. And that person I turned to was John Piper. John Piper, in a sermon actually on these very verses, he says, Paul's suffering fills up Christ not by adding anything to their worth, but by extending them to the people they were meant to bless. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ is not that they are deficient in worth or merit, as though they could not sufficiently cover the sins for all who believe. What is lacking is that the infinite value of Christ's afflictions are not known in the world. They are still a mystery hidden to most peoples. So Paul is actually saying that he is rejoicing in the fact that he can share the good news with people who don't know it. This is how Christ, this is how Paul is accomplishing with Christ the work in the world. He is continuing to share the good news with others. He is reaching out to those who don't know Jesus yet. And as we read that, we should be reminded that this is our calling that we share in as well. We are all called to participate in sharing Jesus with others. In fact, this is what we just covered as we looked at the Great Commission prior to this series. And the Great Commission, if, if you don't know it, it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I, Jesus, have commanded you. This is God's 
commandment to us. He is calling us to go and be commissioned, to go and do and live this out. And this is Paul's call, and he is living this out. And so much like the disciples, which Jesus was talking to in the Great Commission, he is also calling us to participate in God's work of redeeming the world. We share in what Jesus has done, and we share Jesus so that more can know what Jesus has done and that he is Lord. This is why Paul in this passage, in the very first verse of our passage this morning, is boldly declaring that he is filling up what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. The word afflictions is not to be meant, meant to be read as sacrifice or talking about what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, but rather, again, it is to be looked at as Paul is joyfully continuing sharing the good news. But I think, as we all know, it's kind of hard to share the good news. It is hard to share with others about Jesus sometimes. And I think a lot of that comes from this social pressure to not be kind of imposing on others. And in our modern day in Canada, in Edmonton, that really is kind of the pressure we have. That is the suffering that we have to go through, is that pressure of what happens if the person I'm sharing with doesn't receive this well. And that is a very real pressure. What happens if I share with a close friend and they turn around and start to not like me because of my beliefs, because I am boldly declaring Jesus is my Lord What if they look at me and and think I'm just this weird person, this idiot who believes this ancient belief? And it should not be believed. That's what a lot of people think. They think that this Christianity, our belief in Jesus, is this ancient world system that really should be abolished. That there's no place for it in the world. And more and more, our world seems to be going that direction. That that faith is good for you to have, but seriously, don't talk about it anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't know about you, but I heard that a lot growing up. And I still hear that a lot today when I talk to people who don't know Jesus. Well, that's good for you. That's your truth. But keep it there. That is just for you. I don't want to hear about it. That's not what I believe. It's not what I think is true. But for Paul... And, and, and people in ancient times and people who are in different places of the world, their suffering that they will go through for living out their faith is much different than the suffering that we will go through. So when Paul is calling himself and us and the, and the Church of Colossae to live out, to be sharing Jesus' word with people who don't know it, Paul knows all too well what the suffering that can happen to him is. We all know, and, and, and if you don't know, again, if we can go back into the book of Acts and find out that Paul was originally named Saul. And Saul was all about punishing Christians. He was going around and trying to find Christians who were going against the belief system that he was a part of, and he was imprisoning them and killing them. And so when, when 
Paul has this radical transformation, he knows, and, and as he starts living out his faith and sharing the gospel, he knows all too well what the consequences for doing so will be. He's lived it out on the other end. And Paul, even though he knows all that can happen to him, he willingly chooses to do it. In fact, he finds joy even when he's suffering for it. He says it is worth it to share the gospel. It is worth it so that people can hear the good news. What an amazing man Paul is. What an amazing calling and challenge that he is giving us to live up to. And in fact, Paul doesn't just talk about suffering as this thing that he is going through. He actually details it in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 33. Paul goes through this whole list of things that he has been enduring. He has been put in prison. He has faced death often from, the, from Jews five times, Paul says, that he was whipped and received 39 lashes. Five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he had rocks thrown at him in the attempt to try and kill him. Three times as he was making his way to go and share the gospel, he was shipwrecked. He was given a thorn in the flesh by God and he was being assailed by Satan to try and stop by that thorn in the flesh. And yet he persevered. In 2 Timothy 1 verses 15, he says that he was abandoned by all his friends while he was imprisoned. And yet he still willingly chose to go and proclaim the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, he says he was despaired of his life. And he still chose to do that. Even as we read Colossians, we need to remember that Paul isn't just writing this letter on a nice desk and sending it off and then continuing his normal day-to-day life. He is actually in prison as he is writing this letter. Yet through it all, Paul is saying, I am not going to stop trying to reach people with the good news. Paul says no matter what he is encountering, no matter what is going on, it is worth it for him to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. What an amazing story. What an amazing truth that Paul is telling us. Just how important the gospel is. I know for myself at times, I have been very bold and and I've desired and, and wanted to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus. But I think all too often I have been silenced even by myself of the fear of how the person is going to receive it. What will happen when I tell my friend I believe in Jesus? Will they reject me? Will they no longer be my friend? Will they think that this is just, that I'm crazy? Will they get mad at me? I think we can all relate to the social pressures of trying to not share the gospel because we are in fear of what could happen. Or even more so than that, that we just choose not to share the gospel because we know that it's just not socially acceptable. It's not 
it's not politically correct to tell people that there is really one God who saves. One God who is a true God, and that is Jesus Christ. It is a hard calling to live the life of a Christian. And Paul models that for us and says that in, in the midst of it all, it is so worth it. And I have a book that I, I really enjoy. There's two copies of this, like two different versions of the book that go through different stories. And it's called Jesus Freaks. It's, it's kind of put together by the band members. This is an old book. So if you know DC Talk, that's who uh, put this all together. And in the book is this collection of martyr stories. Stories of people who have chosen to proclaim Jesus even in the face of death. It's a hard book to read, honestly. And more often than not, it just sits on my shelf because it is a hard book to read. And I want to share one that is, isn't too gruesome or too graphic. And I hope that it will, in fact, actually encourage us this morning to see what the power of sharing Jesus, even at the cost of any cost, is. The title of this is called The Last Scottish Martyr, It's about a man whose name is Walter Milne. He is 82 years old at the end of his life. And this takes place in Scotland. Finally, Oliphant, the archbishop priest, faced the feeble old man. Will you recant? If not, I will sentence you. Walter Milne replied, I am accused of my life and I know I must die once. And therefore, as Christ said to Judas... What thou doest, do quickly. I will not recant the truth. I am corn, not chaff. I will not be blown away with the wind or burst by the flail. I will survive both. Walter Milne was the parish priest, heard the gospel, and was converted. He was put in prison for his beliefs, but he escaped. And he hid for a while and then began to preach. He was forced into hiding a second time, but was finally captured and tried for heresy at the age of 82. At his trial, he was so feeble, both because of his age and his mistreatment he suffered in prison, so much so that he couldn't climb the platform. Nevertheless, when he began to speak, he made the courtroom ring with such courage and power that the Christians who were present rejoiced. One by one, his beliefs were examined, and he did not give in. Oliphant sentenced Milne to be burned as a heretic, but his boldness and faith had moved so much that the heart of the mayor that he refused to be the judge. In fact, the whole town was so offended with Milne's unfair sentence that they refused to sell the bishop a single rope or tar barrel. After much delay, everything was ready. When Oliphant offered him to climb up the stake, he refused. And he said, no, by the law of God, I am forbidden to kill myself. But if you will put me up there and take part in my death, I will gladly die for my belief. There are so many stories across the world of Christians who have chosen to stand for Jesus, even in the face of death. This is why when Paul, at the start of verse 24, he says that he is full of joy while he suffers. 
Not because of the suffering, but because the suffering means that he is being an effective witness. He is reaching out to those who would not hear the good news otherwise. And I think for us, what we need to really hear from this today is that there are people in your life who will not, if for you, hear the good news. We are called, like Paul, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So the question comes from that, are you willing to suffer and endure hardships so that others can know Jesus? Living the life with Jesus and for Jesus is not an easy calling. The Christian faith is active and a difficult one. We are daily called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. We will endure hardships in our life, but praise God, we know that this life, this time that we have on earth is but a momentary thing. We have the promise of eternal life with God. So as we live our life on earth, it is our opportunity now, right now, to reach people with the gospel, to proclaim who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. So as we read verse 24, we read about Paul's willingness to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Who are you, who are we willing to suffer for so that they can know Jesus? The Great Commission, and and in this verse, it really is the call to be building God's kingdom, to be building the church. It is a tough calling, one which is to be taken with seriousness and also with joyfulness. Seriousness as we have to realize that this is what God has actually called us to do. It's not an optional thing. It is God commanding us. He is commissioning us, go and do this. But guys, it is also one filled with joy as we get to share the best possible news with someone else. That this life, your life has meaning. That God is at work. That this life just isn't randomly put together. That we have a grand designer and creator who has granted each of us life. And through that, your life has so much meaning because God himself came down and lived a perfect life and died so that you would not have to die with your sin. What an amazing God that we have. And to that end, we boldly get to declare how wonderful, how great our God truly is. Paul goes on in verse 25 to say that he has become a servant of Jesus for the church of Colossae's good, which was God's plan for him to preach the good news to them. The fullness of God's word is that it extends beyond the original recipients, the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. And it actually moves and goes on to reach everyone. That is this great mystery. That God is not just for the Jewish nation, but actually God, when Jesus came and died, he didn't just die for the chosen few, but he died for everyone. And we have been a part, we have been commissioned to be a part of God's will on earth as Christians. 
Paul understood that it can be easy for us to have a head knowledge of God's saving grace, but not a heart knowledge. It can be easy for us to have an understanding that we are called to share the gospel, but it can be difficult for us to go and share the gospel with others. Paul's view speaks more to this in verse 28 when he says we are to bring about mature Christians. And this is a part that we can kind of glimpse over in the Great Commission, that we're not just called to share the good news, but rather that we are supposed to walk with people and get them to a place of maturity in their faith so that they can be a disciple. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations, not just to share the good news. There is a difference between sharing the good news and making a disciple. Making a disciple is an intensive and serious process of walking alongside someone, walking and doing life with them to the point where they are then going and being a disciple maker as well. The mark of a disciple is someone who makes disciples. And this is a very hard truth. Because are we as disciples of Jesus? As, are we as Christians making disciples of Jesus? Someone who knows Jesus, loves Jesus, and wants to share Jesus with others because they know Jesus loves their neighbor. Jesus, as he was teaching the disciples how to live, he taught them many things about living in step with God and how to live for others. How are you as a disciple living for others? Paul was living to share the word of God with all he possibly could. And it's a good reminder as we are about this life that we are actually about something. This life has value And we have value best by loving others and loving Jesus. And loving them as Jesus loves them. And this can be somewhat of a mystery to others. I think even more so nowadays, people don't really understand who Jesus is and and what Jesus was actually about. They may have heard about a Jesus and have a false understanding about who that Jesus is. But they don't know about our Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Trinity, our Savior, and our Lord. And this is where this beautiful piece about the mystery comes in. We are called to reveal that great mystery. And I say mystery because Paul says it in verse 26 to 27. Let's, let's read it again. The mystery has been kept for ages and generations, but it is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery there is is very, like, it's just given the answer right at the end there. Can you, sorry, Steve, can you put that back up? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is really easily and straightforwardly telling us that as Christians, guys, Christ is in you. Like he is with you. He goes with you in your life. As a Christian, wherever you are, God is with you. 
That is the simplest way I can possibly explain this. Christ is in you. We believe that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, and you confess that with your mouth, that the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. God himself in you. And what does that mean when God is in you? That means that he is going to be empowering you to share. And Paul goes on in verse 28 to say that he is being empowered to share by God. And he is empowered to share the riches of this mystery, which is Christ. He goes on and does that for us as we live our life. Know that God is with you. And that hope of glory part, what Paul is saying there is that the hope of glory, our promise is secured. Our life is secured in him. We have the assurance of eternal life with God. So why are we not living this life for God now? Think one of the things that I really struggled with when I was a teen was what is heaven really like? What is What is this world, what is my life for? Are we called just to live a good life so that one day we can be in God's presence and and everything will be awesome and and perfect? Is that the purpose? And as I grew up, I, I, I really thought that, okay, we just live a good life so that we can go into God's presence in heaven and be with him. But really what is happening and what Paul is really trying to draw our attention to is that that part of being in God's presence starts now. We live with God right now. We are in his presence right now. We don't wait to go to heaven to rejoice and celebrate and be with our God. We do that now. And we have that hope of glory. We have that promise of assurance that we will be with God when our time on this earth ends. So what are we waiting for? Start living our life with God now. When we start doing that, all of a sudden sharing Jesus isn't going to be this difficult thing because we are automatically, we are already living with God and so it's going to be an automatic response as we talk with people. Because each day, every moment, we are communing with God. We are living in that And if we live in something, we are naturally going to breathe that out, speak that out. I know for for me, when I get really excited about something, when I'm really invested in something, that is all I talk about. As Christians, we are to be about God. God should be our everything. And I think... For all of us, God is our everything. So let's start sharing that with others. People need to know about what Jesus has done because all of a sudden when we go through suffering in this world, we realize that it is just a momentary suffering. It's not going to defeat us or define us because God is better. Jesus is is better. Living in communion with God is better. So why would I dare want anything else? Why would I dare depend on anything else when God is here and God is with me? The hope of glory. There are a lot of people in our world who don't have true hope. 
And instead, they place their hope in other things, momentary things, human things that can only provide so much help for this period of time. Paul is calling us, he's calling me, he's calling you. And he's saying, let's live this out. Let's be this hope to the world. Paul's challenge is is even to look at our life and say, whatever suffering I'm going through, I am going to still choose Jesus. So is Christ your glory? Is Christ your hope? Colossians 28 to 29 says, He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We are called to be a part of this grand mystery revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are called to share this and live this through the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us. Paul is all about living in Christ and for Christ, and through that, he is able to accomplish great things. And this is why we go back to Paul so often and and look at what he has done and accomplished. But I think it can, it can be this weird concept to understand who God is with us. What that really means. How do we go on and live our life? And Paul explains it in another way in Galatians 2 verse 20. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. As someone who declares Jesus as Lord of your life, we and you and I are Jesus's hands and feet in the world. We live and work in the world as Jesus would live and work in the world right now. This is why the great mystery of God is revealed through you as you share the gospel. You not only play a role in sharing Jesus to the world, you play the role in sharing Jesus to the world. We all play the role in sharing Jesus to the world and revealing God's hope that he brings. To end end today's message, I want to go back to verse 24 and read that bold statement that Paul made, but with this new understanding of what he's saying and why he is willing to suffer and suffer with joy because he is living for God and he is completing and, and continuing to work where Christ would be at work if Christ were still here. He says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul really is saying, we need to be about what God is up to in the world. God is at work, and we need to join him in that work. We need to go and share God. And don't worry, you're not doing this alone. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, with you will bring about 
a blessing and help you to do that, help you to share that, help you to live that out. God is working in you. You share the same Holy Spirit that Paul had. We have that same Spirit. All of us share that same Holy Spirit in us. He is at work in us. And if Christ is for us, who can be against us? No matter what suffering, whether it be social pressures, whether it be mental and physical or anything else, no matter what it is, no matter what suffering may come by sharing the gospel, let it be. Because we get to share the best news in the world. And it is worth sharing regardless of what type of suffering may come. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And, and Lord, I pray that as we, as we have dived into this passage and as we've, ho- I pray that we have heard from you through that. That we have heard your word speak to us about living with you, God, and living for you. And I pray, Lord God, as we go about this week, no matter where we may go, that we would live with this grand mystery and that we would be revealing it. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope for all mankind. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.